Beloved, this is Commanding the Year, 2023 series. It is a yearly solemn feast instructed by God, in which we commit the year into God's hands, and command the year to go in line with God's will for us. Join us now in today's episode. So basically, it speaks of the righteousness of God speaks of the justice of God, 
it speaks of the rightness of God. Are we together? And that sums it up in his righteousness. So actually, that's why the Bible can say, seeing that is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Now, why would it be a righteous thing for God to recompense tribulation? Why? Because God's righteousness is on the grounds of his justice. Now, so God cannot be righteous without justice. And justice always has two sides. There is a side of mercy and there is a side of judgment. Now, so while one is receiving mercy, another will be receiving judgment. And the, the, the righteousness of God is revealed in the two sides of the coin of God's justice system. Mercy and judgment. And mercy and judgment are two sides that you cannot do without. It is not possible for anything to operate without these two. Any system that operates without mercy and judgment is a messed up system. The Bible, the Bible speaking, it talks about the city without walls. It's a city without walls. Walls basically speaks of of um, of of, of, of um, laws and orders. Amen to Jesus. It speaks of um, um, it speaks of restrictions. Are we together? So a city without walls basically talks about a city without restrictions. Are you getting what I'm saying? When he talks about the city without gates, he talks about the city without discipline. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, Bible says, um, uh, 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 David said, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, the word foundation there, when we always looked at it over the years, you know, we look at it, that people say foundational issue, foundational problem. If your foundation, your family be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We have to deal with foundations. But when I we, we, we look it in the right sense of it, I get what I'm saying. The original Hebrew word for foundation that basically makes it speaks of law and order governing your society. I get what I'm saying. Now, so David came to meet a lawless and a disorderly um, Israel. Actually, it was one who made the north and the south together. He made Israel and Jerusalem together to form one nation, Israel. Prior to them, in Saul's time, it was all messed up because actually there was a word already given concerning Saul. Your daughters will be turned to cooks. Your sons will be turned to soldiers. He will take a fifth portion. So it was a disorganized system that David made. And so David came and said, if there be no law and order, what can the righteous do? That means the basic foundations of every society is law and order. A society without law and order has no foundation. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. I remember when I taught this one, somebody squeezed his face because they were all that time all that was really was foundational problem. Dealing with the foundation, your family foundation. And these are the scriptures they always use to 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 justify their their teachings. And you see, you can't preach scriptures out of context. In the days of ignorance, the Lord wins. The Lord can win at it, but he gets to a point where the Lord, he gets to a point where the Lord, you know, um, calls us to the place of order. The order, the, 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 the right rendition and interpretation for that scripture is basically about law and order that was in the land. Amen to Jesus. Amen. That was actually not there. So David had to come and meet a situation where he had to deal with. And if David had to speak like that, it means that for any society to stand, it will stand on the two legs of what? Mercy and judgment, which are actually the two legs of justice. God is a God of justice, and it is his justice that what? That, that reveals his righteousness. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah, Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, so when 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 we are when, when we want to understand, when we want to relate with God, we must relate with him on the ground of his justice. Now, um, 
the justice of God is what prevents sin from having a way. The justice of God that condemns sin. That's what the justice of God does. It condemns sin. Are we together? It condemns sin. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, For there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Original translation ends in who are in Christ Jesus. Condition was put, who walked not after the flesh. But in that transition, it says there's, there's definitely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? If you're in Christ Jesus, you cannot be condemned. If you're outside Christ Jesus, you do what? You will condemn. Why? Because the justice system of God is that it condemns sin. And why does the, those who are in Christ Jesus have no more condemnation? Because sin has been condemned in the, in the body of Christ. The Bible says, for, uh, uh, for he who, uh, uh, the, the Romans chapter 8, verse 1, for there is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, walk not down flesh, but down the For the law, verse 2 says, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set them free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through flesh, verse 3, but God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. So, for justice to prevail, sin must be condemned. There is no way the righteousness of God can prevail on the earth when sin is not yet condemned. And so God had to ensure the condemnation of sin. And the only way that would be done was in the flesh, which his son did in the flesh on the cross. And so, the mercy of God over the new creation, over the child of God, is only made revealed when sin has been condemned, when Jesus condemns sin in the flesh, then the mercy of God could speak for the new creation. Now, grace has always been in place from the Old Testament down to New Testament. If you look at the word grace in the Old Testament, there, care, and the Bible says, and Noah found grace before the, uh, in the sight of God. Grace has always been in place. In fact, without grace, there will be no existence. Are you getting what I'm saying? Grace has always been in place. Now, but in the New Testament, why does it look like it's as though grace just started? Are you getting what I'm saying? Because when we look at the New Testament, it looks like, oh, grace is like, it's not grace started. But the Bible speaking about Noah, it says the Lord, and Noah found grace in the sight of God. That means it has been dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? Oh, what, what, let's, look at, let's look at the likes of Abraham. The guy who lied. The guy who, 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 who um, 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 had a child out, out of wedlocks at the, at the advice of his wife. But the basic truth is that if his wife, if he had no eyes for her guy, when his wife advised him, he would say, no, I don't want. He say, okay, but you must have a child. I say, no, must, must I have a child from her? Okay, let me, have, let me find a way to get a child. Are you getting what I'm saying? If there was nothing, no strings attached, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gone there. So he, he, he was actually not a perfect example for a man, for, for somebody to call a, 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 a friend of his. Are you getting what I'm saying? That imperfect example was called the friend of God. And God even defended him time and again. Why? That was the revelation of grace. And you get what I'm saying? Oh, can we talk about Isaac? Isaac, the same sin his father committed, they committed. They lied about their wife, that their wife was their sister. Are you getting what I'm saying? Transgenerational lie. Are you getting me? And yet, the grace of God still covered for both of them. And, the, 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 oh, can we talk about David? The, the, the immoral man who was a murderer. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah? Yet, God still said he was a man after his own heart. 
How can God call a man that is immoral and a murderer a man after his heart? And call a man who will lie and who will have extramarital affairs his friend? How can God say such a thing? It makes that is what is called unmerited favor, undeserved favor. That undeserved favor has been there. We, they, we, they even enjoyed it. The likes of Abraham enjoyed it so much. The likes of 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 of, of um, Isaac enjoyed it. Bible says Isaac stood in that same land and reaped a hundredfold. Oh come on, he enjoyed it. Even after lying about his wife, he still enjoyed it. Are you getting what I'm saying? David enjoyed it. Even after everything, he, oh, you come to the Lord, he enjoyed it. Grace has been there from the beginning, from time immemorial. How? What about how God just called a man from nowhere? Abraham called him from the children of all, and from the midst of midst of, 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 of idol worshippers. Picked him up, called him, and said, Come, I will, I will, I will leave your father's house and I will take, show you a land that I will take you to. That, for, for, for you to be called, it is the benevolence of God to call a person. Praise God forevermore. And that is what grace does. Grace calls a man. It just calls a man from nowhere, picks a man out of the, the, Hannah said that. He said, Lord, that you are the one who picks the, 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 the poor out of the dunghill and set them on the, on, on, on the mountains to stand. It's the grace of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. It was there in the Old Testament. It had been there in the Old Testament. It was there even before the Old Testament began. Abraham was before the Old Testament began. Um, Job was before the Old Testament began. Are you get what I'm saying? It has been there from, from time, time immemorial. But how come in the New Testament, it looks like that's when grace started? The reason why it looks like that's when grace started is because it was in the New, it was by, the New Testament was enacted by the condemnation of sin. When Jesus condemned sin in the flesh, the New Testament was enacted. And that was the full manifestation of God's grace. In the Old Testament, they enjoyed grace in shadows. Why? Because there was, the, the, exactly, for, especially in the time of, 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 of Abraham, where there was no law. Apostle Paul speaking, he said, where the law was not there, there was not, I have no knowledge of sin. Say, but when the law came, sin, taking opportunity of the law, began to do what? Began to trouble me. So when the law was not there, I had no knowledge of sin. I get what I'm saying. Now, so people like Abraham, um, the law was not there. Are you get what I'm saying? How did they relate with God? Are you get what I'm saying? There was no law. There were no ten. There was no ten commandments. How did they relate with God? It was the revelation of God's grace that made them relate with God. Even in the Old Testament. Are you get what I'm saying? Yes. Even before the Old Testament. Sorry. And then in the Old Testament, we see how the life of David. The law. The, the law was there in his time. Are you get what I'm saying? Yes, he could still break the law. That shall not commit adultery. He broke it. That shall not kill. He broke it. Are you get what I'm saying? And the Bible says, if you fought in one, you fought in you, if you, you, you fought in all. God gave the law to man, not for, for man to give it, because man could not keep it. So that the law will bring man to Christ. And so he faulted in it. And yet, God still called him a, a, a man after his own heart. These were understandings of grace. Are you get what I'm saying? These were, these were, these were uh, um, um, uh, um, shadows of God's grace in the Old Testament. But now, in the Old Testament, sin was covered by the blood of an animal. In before the Old Testament, sin was not was not known. Why? Because there was no law in the time of Abraham. There was no law, so sin was not known. Are you get what I'm saying? So even when he did what he did with Agai, when he lied. There was no law that stated to him thou shalt, that, that he lied. There was no law that stated to him that he what? That he, 
he, he committed adultery. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. But those things, even though there was no law, those things were not pleasing in the sight of God. But by virtue of grace covering over Abraham, God could still cover him, even in the absence of what? Law. Because the Bible says, to him that is pure, all things are pure. To him that is impure, all things are impure. Now, when there is no law in place for something, now, things, God, God will not hold you responsible for something that there is no law for. But when there is a law, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Are you get what I'm saying? And so, grace was at work before the law. It's covered. It gave unmerited favor. In the law, grace was still at work for the likes of David. Yes, they sinned against God. God sent Nathan the prophet to him and he, he, he apologized to God. God's grace covered for him. God's grace uh, uh, um, 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 was there for him. But this were not the full revelation of God's grace. Why? The fullness of God's righteousness cannot be revealed without what? The condemnation of what? Sin. When sin is not condemned, you cannot understand the righteousness of God. You cannot only understand the righteousness of God when sin has been condemned. Why? Because the righteousness of God is what? Justice. Rightness, which gives better righteousness. So for justice to be in place, something must be judged, condemned, for something to have mercy. So for God's righteousness to be understood in the fullness of it, sin had to be condemned in the body of Christ so that we can enjoy the mercy of God, which is the revelation of his righteousness in the fullness of it. So in the Old Testament, the mercy of God was there. Because mercy and grace, the words are used interchangeably in the Old Testament. Go and look at the Hebrew words. They are used interchangeably. Um, they are used interchangeably in the Old Testament. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, in the New Testament, because mercy speaks of loving kindness. Loving kindness. Grace is unmerited favor. And the unmerited favor of God is as a result of the loving kindness of God. For God commended his love towards us. Even that while we were yet what? Sinners. Christ died for us. So let's say this way. God's mercy was what Lord brought about what? His grace. So without his mercy, there can be no grace. That's why the Bible says he's rich in mercy. And that's why the Bible makes us understand that his mercies are new every morning. Why is that so? Because it is his mercy that gives way for his grace. If his mercy does not open the door, the grace of God cannot set him. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. God so loved the world. Loving kindness, mercy. I get what I'm saying? Grace is the next man after the mercy of God. So the mercy of God opens the door for the grace of God. And you see, for, for mercy to open the door for grace, judgment was, was also doing his work. And the judgment that God had to set in place for the mercy of God to open the door of grace, it is the judgment on sin. And for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. And because sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, that makes us understand, say, uh, makes us understand that he who knew no sin was made sin that may be made what? The righteousness of God in him. So we may be made what? The rightness of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
The reason why we can be made the rightness of God is because the judgment of God has condemned the wrongness of the devil, which is sin. Now, so you cannot, that is the reason why for those who believe that, oh, they, 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 don't, need, they, don't, need, they don't need Christ to be righteous. The Bible says that righteousness does feed you The reason for that is because until you take hold of what the judgment of God did on sin, you cannot take hold of the righteousness of God. So, you have to take hold of what the judgment of God did on sin, which is what? That's where we give, that's um, where we receive the Lordship of Jesus. Because by, by accepting him and his finished work, you accept that he actually condemns sin. And you get what I'm saying? And then on that ground, you can be able to get what? His righteousness. He can be able to get his righteousness. And so, this understanding of righteousness is what actually is the first basis on which, is the second basis on which we praise God. Why? Because if the justice of God did not prevail over sin, none of us will be able to stand righteous before God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Why? Now, in the Old Testament, they could not stand righteous. They couldn't stand righteous. The, the blood of bulls and goats did some covering for them, but they couldn't stand as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, it, why, why, why do you also understand this? David had to pray, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy spirit away from me. That was a sense of um, inferiority complex, which um, is the opposite of that. Righteousness is the ability to stand right before God without any sense of fear or inferiority complex. Now, David was afraid that God would cast him away from the presence. And he was afraid that God could take away his Holy Spirit. Why? The reason for that is because, now, David was one of the persons in the Old Testament, him and John the Baptist, who enjoyed the injury of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, but why was that so? It was, in their time, it was not what it was meant to be. It was rare. So, it was a rare privilege, number one. But number two, that was so because he, lacked, he didn't have the understanding of the righteousness of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? The righteousness of God is what makes you stand before God under the covering of Christ. So God does not see, the Father does not see you, he sees Christ Jesus. Now, so if you say, cast me not thy way from thy presence, Lord, you're actually saying, you're saying, Father, don't cast Christ away. And can the Father ever cast Christ away? No. You are saying, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You are saying, Father, please don't take um, Christ from me. Because Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and say, another comforter, the Paracletos, which is the comforter from another kind, which is me and another kind. So you are saying, um, and don't take Jesus from me. That kind of prayer is a prayer that came based on his level of understanding then. Why? Because sin was not condemned and he did not understand his standing before God in the fullness of it. David learned a lot. David knew a lot. David knows what many New Testament students don't understand. But this was one thing he didn't understand. The righteousness of God. Are we together? And that's why he prayed such a prayer. And you get what I'm saying? But for the new creation in Christ Jesus, God can never cast you away. Why? Because you are hid with Christ and Christ with God. If you are saying God should cast you, you say you are hid with Christ. The word with there means together, 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 together. So if you are saying, and the Bible says you are heirs of God and joint heads with Christ Jesus. So if you are saying cast me not away, you are telling, okay, Father, please don't cast Jesus away. Can the Father cast Jesus away? Are you getting what I'm saying? So that what is impossible is impossible. 
It's impossible, very impossible. A double negative impossible. The father cannot cast Jesus away. <laughs> so he cannot cast you away. You can take your walk, but he cannot cast you away. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so, then take note of this spirit for me. The Bible says, well, uh, every good and perfect uh, 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 gift coming from the Lord. And they say, whatever the Lord doeth, it shall be forever. When he gave you the Holy Spirit, he gave you as an eternal seal till the day of redemption. It's an eternal seal, not a partial seal. So he has given you forever. You are the one that can choose to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I don't want you again. Jesus, I don't want you again. But for the Father, he cannot cast you away. He cannot remove the Holy Spirit from you. He cannot remove Jesus from the covering of and the righteousness of Christ from you. You are the only one that can say, I'm tired of this righteousness covering. I beg, I want to go and look for another covering, uh, covering of sin. Or you can say, Holy Spirit, I'm tired of having you in my life. I want to go and start having demons in my life. You can choose any of that. And you get what I'm saying? But from the Father's point of view, what he has done is eternal. The Holy Spirit is an eternal seal to the day of redemption. He's eternal and he's eternal. He will not, he will not change his mind concerning that. For the righteousness of Christ, he has, he has made you righteous in the righteousness of Christ. He will not change his mind concerning that. Now, so this understanding is what makes us know that the judgment of God, the justice of God, came in place for the righteousness of God to be revealed. The Old Testament says did not enjoy the justice of God. They didn't. They didn't enjoy the justice of God in this light. So because they, they had to depend on the sacrifices of bulls and of ram to cover their sin. Are you getting what I'm saying? In the time of Abraham, they, there was no law. So they were not living the life like that. And as they're living the life, they were also the, the law, the law that they had to govern them was their relationship with God. For someone like Abraham, what governed him when the law was not there? The Torah was not there. It was his relationship with God that governed him. For even um, um, uh, uh, Moses, Moses, before the Torah was given, before the law was given, from Exodus chapter 1 to Exodus chapter 20, what was governing Moses? It was his relationship with God. Uh, you see, the Bible is speaking, it says, in, the, in those days, no one will tell his brother or his sister um, what to do or what not to do. Say, for I will write their, my, my laws in their hearts. Now, so, the Old Testament says, um, before the Old Testament, the likes of Moses and Abraham, they had a relationship with God that ordered them such a way that they were having a, 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 a little taste of what the New Testament creation is meant to have, which is the laws written in our heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? For them, they didn't have the laws on tablets. They didn't have the Torah, but it was somehow written in their hearts. And they could relate with God like that. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then God brings it into tablets. The purpose of God from the beginning was not to bring his laws to tablets. Why? Because the tablets are stones. And you see, God said, I will remove the heart of stone, the stony heart, and I will put to them the heart of flesh. God has never wanted to use stony or stony st stones to relate. The only time God, Jesus, told them to use stones was when they said they would stop the children from praising. So, okay, I will use stones. But from the onset, God has never wanted to use stone to relate. God has always wanted to use flesh to do his thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And so, when he put his law on stones, it was not so fine for him. And he said, I will remove it from the stones and I'll put it on their hearts so that they will not need anybody to tell them do's or don'ts. You see, some of the time, when you look at the way um, Christians behave and they're looking for a list of do's and don'ts, 
it's not the way God operates from the beginning. God is not to, it, 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 God's way is not to tell you, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. No, God's way is to tell you, this is my way. Follow me. Remain connected. Teaching continues shortly. Beloved, we will like to introduce to you one of our latest book releases. Titled, Serve the Lord Christ. Authored by Chimdi Ohahuna. This book is the beginning of new experiences for every believer serving the Lord Christ in the body of Christ. God is the rewarder of all who are diligent in their service to Him. Thus, rewards naturally comes to the faithful servant of God. However, motives are paramount to our service in the kingdom of God. If the purposes of the one serving God are not good and acceptable, the service cannot be good and acceptable either. As a child of God, you have an assignment to do for the Lord here on earth. Find out how to walk in God's purpose, fulfill the course of the Lord and receive the glory set before. This information in this book will be helpful and useful for individuals, families, groups and local churches. Order a copy today via Amazon. Welcome back. Walk with me. God told Abraham, walk before me and be thou what? Perfect. Are you get what I'm saying? Yes. He didn't tell him, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. God's original plan was, walk with me. Walk before me. Walk with me. Are you get what I'm saying? Yes. That was the original plan from the onset. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. The law was just a way out. It, it, was, it was out of the plan. And being out of the plan, God had to bring it back to the original plan, which is what? A relationship, a fellowship. You cannot relate with stones. You can only relate with flesh. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So God said, okay, I put it in flesh. That can relate that, that you can relate with stones. That's why the first time God gave it to Moses, when Moses came that he broke it. Are you getting what I'm saying? If it was flesh that was carried, even with the anger. Imagine was carrying a child, and that child was the Ten Commandments. Even with the anger, he will drop the child and bend him first before he starts bending his anger. But because it was a lifeless stone, it was the handwriting of God. I get what I'm saying? But on a lifeless stone, Moses could break it in anger. That's why God will not write on lifeless stone. Apostle Paul said, You are our peaceful. You are our epistles. In other words, we are our epistles. It says not your epistles, not written on tablets of stone, but in the heart. God does not want to write on lifeless stones any longer. God wants to write on living with living hearts, because people can relate better with living hearts. No matter the anger, when you when you know that you are holding a living heart, you first drop it down before you get the anger, not a lifeless stone. So Moses could break the lifeless stone, but if it had to be a living heart, he will not break it in anger. He will drop it gently and then vent out his anger on the people. And so that was what God was actually doing in the likes of Abraham. But they, it, it, it didn't step, it, it, they, they just had a taste of it. God could say, leave your father's house and I'll bless you. He, was just, he, he just left his father's house and, and, and God blessed him. How, how did Moses know, to, know how to go and spend 40 days twice with the Lord? 
before, before the Ten Commandments came. How did Moses hear the, um, hear the voice of God from the burning bush? Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Now, this shows that from the onset, even so that when he fought with the Egyptian, when, when he fought with the Egyptian, and at the end of the day, killed the Egyptian because of the way he was um, beating the king, you could see that the heart of God was just, you know, there was something about the heart of God in his heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. There was something about that. And over time, it became his reality. Are we together? Yes. It became his reality. It became his reality. These people even enjoyed the taste of it when the justice of God was not fully enacted. The justice of God was fully enacted on the cross when sin was condemned. And that is when the righteousness of God was fully revealed. Now, so in the New Testament, what do we do? The new creation actually is the righteousness of God because of the justice of God on sin. That's why the righteousness of God. If sin was not condemned, there's no way we can say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, most of the time we always sing that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but we do not remember what may give rise to us becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And for sin condemns in the flesh. When we re- remember and keep in our hearts that it was Jesus, he condemns in the flesh, and he had to go through the three hours of, of groaning and pains. Where the, where the righteous the righteous anger of God, the justice of God, was released upon sin that was in the flesh. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. And that was one of the most, the, the, that, that's the most turbulent time in, in the whole life history. If that becomes our full understanding, we discover that the revelation of righteousness begins to empower us to live right like God lives. Because where we have a challenge with only knowing one side, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm made righteous. And we don't know the other side, that the reason why we're righteous is, you know, some of the time they tell you when, when, when they want to make people realize something, they make them realize what will happen for that to happen. I, I think I heard the story of how they, they, they did simulations for men. Um, um, uh, labor pain, women labor pain simulation for some men, uh, you know. I learned that when the woman is in labor, it's like all her bones are breaking at the same time. And so they did a simulation for some men. The men almost ran mad. They almost ran mad. They couldn't even, they couldn't even follow through the process. And for women, how many hours sometimes do some stay in labor? 20 something hours. I, I think was, I, 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 this woman was saying that for that, a particular child of hers, she was in labor for 72 hours. How can somebody be going through that kind of pain for, for three days? But for the men, just from few minutes of the simulation, they were shouting, hey, stop it, stop it, stop it. Now, why do they give them such simulations? So they can have a taste, they can have an understanding of what their wives went through to bring what? These children out. So when they want to think of, you know, misbehaving, or when they want to think of not treating the wife well and treating the children well, that that taste of that pain will remember will make them remember. And so women go through that pain five times. You know, I was listening to somebody and she was sending her testimony of the death of a child, one of her children. See, I said, he said, when it was just time for the before the baby just came out to ah, he said, just so easy, no stress. See, by the grace of God, she can keep having more. <laughs> uh, you know. It, it, it just, it's not so easy. And they say, you know, when they give birth to the first one, from the second one, it's not as, you know, whatever. But whatever the case may be, 
to go through that pain, getting men to feel it a little, yeah, they, they were almost running mad. And you get what I'm saying? Now, for us to appreciate righteousness, we need to remember that sin, the justice of God, condemns sin in the body of Jesus. We may not be able to feel that pain of that just of that condemnation. We will not be able to feel that pain, but we should remember it. Yes, there's no way anybody can feel the pain. I remember I was teaching once and I said, God will make you go through some things he goes through so you can understand how he operates and, how, and that's based on which he can use you better. It reminds us of the story of Jonah. You know, I really like the super book episode. When I watch it, it comes real to me. After he, he refused to go, he refused to go, he now went. He said, I, I'm not, I don't want to go because I know God is merciful. He's merciful. He would forgive these people if they confess their sin. And then, okay, he went, he angrily delivered the message. And now, some people would blame Jonah, but I can, I can feel him. I can feel him. These years of preaching to terrible people, I can feel Joshua. Jonah. Are you what I'm saying? I can feel Jonah. In fact, I remember when somebody was planning to come and start a, 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 a missions work here, and he told me, he was like, the people, they are terrible. And he's wondering how I've been staying here. He said he had been coming, he had been coming, but we are here to see, we are waiting for him to come. And he told me, he said, the people are terrible. I knew them before, they are terrible. You get it? But you see, God still would have you preach to them as for how terrible they are. Why? Because at the end of the day, when Jonah was angry with God for, for forgiving them, God gave him just a little understanding. Overnight, in the desert where they were, a tree grew over him and became a shade. And became a shade. And then, before you know, the tree just died instantly. And Jonah got angry and was complaining and complaining and telling God, What? Can I not just have small shade? Small shade? Small shade? Small shade? See how this sun up is touching me. And God said, Ah, a tree that did not know when it grew, where it grew, and how it grew, and it just died. You are complaining about it. You are feeling pain about it because it's shading you. Say, then what about me that created these people in Nineveh? And you just want over 100,000 people to just die like that? Ah, God made sense to Jonah. God made sense to Jonah. Some of the times, we will not understand righteousness. Not some of the time, all of the time. That's why you see that when we say this righteousness teacher, this righteousness thing. You see, the reason why it looks like the revelation of righteousness is not dawning on us is because we do not have a revelation of God's judgment of sin. If we have a revelation of God's judgment on sin, revelation of righteousness will not it, it will it will it will make us love God more. It will make us just get 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 to want to do his will more. Because for us to enjoy righteousness, somebody had to suffer condemnation. For us to enjoy righteousness, justice had to prevail. And the justice actually prevailed on the body of Christ. On the flesh of Christ, that was where the, that was where the justice prevailed. God cried for justice. And the flesh of Jesus was what received the justice. That's why the point Jesus cried, Eloi, Eloi, Lamak Sabachthani. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? All through his years, all through his work on earth, 
He never called God my God. He called him my father. But on the cross, when, the, when God stood in the position of a ruler and a, 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 a judge, are you getting what I'm saying? On the cross, God did not stand as father to Jesus. He stood as the ruler of the whole world and the judge of the whole earth. So at that point, it was one of the most unexciting times for Jesus. Why? Because his father was now relating to him as what? Judge. And judging the sin of the world on his flesh. Because his flesh was made sin. And God was releasing all the judgment on his flesh. Ah, Jesus, in my, my God, my God, tamper justice with mercy. Why hast thou forsaken me? And God, at that point, had no other option than to execute justice. Amen. He had no other option than to execute justice. Why? Because he was executing justice because of what was ahead. That's why the Bible says, Jesus, seeing the glory ahead of the cross, endured the cross, despising the shame. What was the shame he was despising? It was the shame of this righteous one, this holy one who knew no sin, where that his flesh was not made sin. And then, one who was always relating with his father as father, now had to relate with his father as judge. The shame was not just the death of the cross, are you going to say, which was the death of criminals and a shameful death, or the scourging which they did to, 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 to people that they considered to be less than humans, are you going to say, you know, the shame of being, 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 being shredded and, you know, dying the death of a criminal, that was a shame. But that shame was not compared to the, to, to, to the fact that this one who is all holy and who is the son of God, now be, was now, his flesh was now made sin and he now had to become what? And let me use the word, an enemy of God. His flesh became the enemy of God. So God had to, put, had to release judgment because when God was releasing judgment on the flesh of Jesus, it was, it was released, it was released, it was released on the devil, the nature of Amatai sin. The same magnitude of judgment, Jesus' flesh had to become sin. Had to become that sin. So that what? God can vent all the judgment on sin. Now, until the revelation of God's justice is had, the revelation of God's righteousness cannot take root. And so when we say we praise God because of his righteousness, we're actually saying we are praising and we thank the Lord because he's righteous. I will sing praise unto the name of the Lord Moses. Why when we say we are thanking the Lord because of righteousness, we are praising because of his of his righteousness. We're actually saying we are praising him, we are thanking him for his judgment that came on sin, so that his righteousness can be ours. And you know what? God is a God of justice. Some of the times, when you look at the way God makes out justice, it feels like it is not sweet. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because we would have loved it to be faster. We would have loved, if there's anybody that would have loved it faster, I would have loved it to be faster. I would have loved God's judgment to be faster. You know, some of the times, when you have to go through things that you wonder, but why? Why? Because you feel that God's judgment should have been faster. But I tell you, the devil was having a field day. 
at least why Jesus was on earth for 33 and a half years. Are you getting what I'm saying? Sin was having a few days. Okay, for 400 years before Jesus came, the dark ages, where God did not, God did not speak, the devil was having a few days. Okay, from when Jacob blessed um, Judah to when Jesus came, 1,600 years, the devil was having a few days. Sin was having a few days. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so you look at how God can give time and allow for things to just happen. And it's as if God is not mindful. No, the reason for that is because justice has to give room for sin to be discovered. Remember, God told the children, He said, God told Moses, He said, God told Abraham, so He said, Your children shall stay in the land of captivity for 430 years. He says, Because the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. So God always likes, always wants for justice to prevail. He has to make sure that sin exhausts its rope. Because when justice is given without the exhaustion of, exhaust, of the rope of sin, you discover that it is not, it becomes a faulty justice. It is a faulty justice. And sin can now have a case to appeal. If you go to the court, you see that they, they make sure that they exhaust everything necessary so that the other party will not have a case to appeal. And if he has a case to appeal, if he's a wise judge of the first instant court, he'll make sure he exhausts. I remember when that what, what, what happened in the last mission, he, he just you know, like he was giving the other people time, giving them time. And I was like, what is what? You know, when you're when looking for justice, you suffer. You suffer. You suffer. I have suffered waiting for justice in life. I've suffered. I wonder why we go, why would why would they we give them time? We give them time. They will not appear in court today. They will they will come and say they did not receive documents, they did receive documents. They were doing all they were doing all they were doing. we had to go through a lot of a lot of things, a lot of things. But you see, when he gave his judgment, eh, when the judge gave his judgment, they were shouting, they said they were going to appeal as they took the judgment to appeal. The appeal judge told both parties, please leave me. I will read through the judgment and I will get back to you. The appeal judge read through the judgment and told them, go and do what the judge has told you to do. The judgment is fine. They went to another person again and took the judgment there. And the person called both parties and said, I read this judgment. I read it. I read it dito dito. Ah, there's no force in the judgment. They went to different, different. At the end of the day, all their efforts were die. Why? Because that judge knew how to give time to sin. It's not easy as a judge to give time to sin. Neither is it easy for the person who needs justice to wait for the time to be given to sin. Are you getting what I'm saying? But when sin is allowed to fill his cup up, at the end of the day, when the justice comes, there is no there is no appeal that will ever stand. If you like, appeal to Supreme, Supreme will kick you off. You know what I'm saying? Because they know that due diligence has been done. That is how God does his justice. And you see, Jesus had to suffer that on the cross for three hours. That three hours will be lightning to millions of hearts. He had to suffer that on the cross because God had to do his due diligence to what? To, to sin. Prior to then, sin was having his cause from when, from when Cain, from when Adam and Eve sinned, are you getting what I'm saying? 
sin was having its cause. Now, in the, we must understand something. In the Old Testament, sin was not condemned. It was covered. It was not condemned. And but God's desire was for sin to be condemned, not to be covered. That's his, that was his desire. For sin to be condemned, not for sin to be covered. And the righteousness of God is fully revealed when sin is condemned. The Bible says righteousness, righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Faith to faith means progressive revelation of righteousness of God. But that faith to faith only comes after righteousness is revealed first. And so God's desire was for sin to be condemned so that righteousness can be fully revealed. That's why the blood of bulls and goats were not doing the work. He had to wait for he had, he had to wait for Jesus to come and with his own blood go into the holies of God and make atonement for us. Now, but that came at the cost of justice. If we can have a depth of understanding of the justice of God, we would enjoy the fullness of his righteousness. The understanding that God had to allow sin have his full cause, allow sin's cup to be full from Adam, how many thousands of years? <laughs> you think it was easy for God? No, it wasn't easy for God. You see, sometimes when we think that we are, if you've ever needed justice, you know what I'm talking about. Usually, it is the one who goes to seek for justice that suffers. It's the one who suffers. The one who is the 41, they enjoy themselves. But they enjoy themselves till they get to a point. Uh-huh. And some of the time, the judges are not even happy with what the person is suffering. But they have to follow the, the process. This is the process of justice. God has to follow process. They have to follow process. He told, he told um, um, Noah, I will never destroy the earth again with water. Ah. And there were times he was looking at the earth and he saw the way the earth was going. He said, Cut these people, they need water again. But he remember the bow, he remember the promise, and the bow comes up. I will not destroy the earth with water again. Okay, he knows that the eternal, the fire that will destroy the earth is not nice when you come. So, God, you see, God's staying in this situation of, I will never destroy the earth with water again, and I have to wait for the time when I will use fire. It's not an easy one for him. I don't say. But in between that, he needed to ensure that something was for the world. And that was what was justice for righteousness to prevail. Now, so, why do we thank God? We thank God and we praise God because he was, he, 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 he went through the process, the, the judiciary process of waiting as a judge to see to it that sin had its full cup. And he had made sure that he crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. And on that ground, what did he do? He released judgment on sin. And the painful thing about it, the most painful thing about it was that this judgment was not released on sin just in the ground. It was released on sin in the body of his own beloved son, Jesus. So when we say, for God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son. We just only understand it from in quote, Jesus came as a baby. Are you getting what I'm saying? He gave Jesus. Oh, Jesus came and died. 
We don't understand it from for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so to be to to be to to to, to, to become the object of His judgment. To become the object of his judgment. Now, which father will do that? I get what I'm saying. Which father will do that? To give your son as the object of your judgment. That is the revelation of substitutionary work. God the Father gave God the Son Jesus as the object of his judgment. That is the revelation of God's love. We will say God commended his love towards us. Even that while we're using as Christ died for us, we need to understand this: that God commanded His love towards us by making His Son the object of His judgment. God says, "I want to judge sin, and the only way I can judge sin is to use my Son to judge sin." When this understanding comes into our hearts, we would understand the righteousness of God. That's why Paul could say, "Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" He said, "God." Why did he say that? In other words, if you understand that God used, the Father used his son as the object for judgment, you will not continue in sin, claiming to be the righteousness of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? You will not habitually sin, claiming to be the righteousness of God. Why? Because you understand what God, the Father, did to his son because of love. And when this understanding comes, we don't need God to do anything again. Us to praise him. You as a father, can you go and make your child the object of judgment for another person? Are you getting what I'm saying? In fact, <laughs> Bible says it's a gave more son, one son that you may win many more sons to glory. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, even those who do rituals, they don't even use their children for rituals to get more children. They use it to get money. Are you getting what I'm saying? You don't use a child to, as, a, as a sacrifice to get more children. It's easy to get money. But God meted his justice on his son because of the other children he needed in his family. The father did that. He, he, he could go, he could suffer this. He could suffer it. He was the one who was suffering it. Uh, you get what I'm saying? You see, um, have you ever have heard scenarios where a father is a judge and he has to sit to judge the son's action. A lot of one that the son, he condemned the son to death. It was not easy. But he was not sitting there as daddy now, as father. He was sitting there as what? Judge. That's just a physical example to show what the father did. When Jesus was on the cross, the father was not sitting as father to Jesus. He was sitting as judge to the flesh of Jesus. So he was condemning sin in the flesh of Jesus. Early father could do that to his son. I get what I'm saying. We know the cry is cry after that. Heavenly father did that to his son. And it's pain his heart but he knew what he might die. When we understand this, we don't need God to do anything for us again before we praise him. One who could condemn his own son for our justification. One who could condemn his own son for our righteousness. 
I like the way under translation Paul second Corinthians five verse twenty one says, "For God took the righteousness of God, of Christ, and poured it into us, and took our right, our sin, and poured it into Christ." God would do such an exchange because of His love for us, and that love is as a result of His mercy, His loving kindness. There is no other reason, what crazy way that could be bigger than this one. We have known that we praise him because of his greatness. But this reason for what he did for us, even if God does not do anything for us again, we have to praise him for his justice for his sin for us to become his righteousness. Please talk your thoughts and bless the name. Now is your moment of salvation. If you are yet to make the Lord Jesus Christ your Lord and personal Savior, we request that you say this prayer along with many others now. Say this words, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, I repent of my sins, and ask that you forgive my sins. I believe that you shed your blood on the cross, died for my sins, and rose again in the third day. Today, I invite you into my life today. Wash me by your blood, make me your own, until eternity be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you Lord Jesus, in Jesus' precious name. For your love gift of any amount to Grace Life Kami Podcast, kindly use any of our giving channels available, to give in dollars. You can send to Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. Account number, 033-154-551-2013. Swift code, M, B, G, H, G, H, A, C, to give in CDs. Universal Merchant Bank Ghana, you can send to account number, 033-254-551-2017. To give in Naira, you can send to Ecobank Nigeria, account number 554-102-0592. Also, for further enquiries, you can call us on plus 233-54594-7132. OR, send us an email via chimdiohahuna ministry at gmail.com. Today, remain ever blessed.